Are you tired of spinning your wheels with ineffective marketing strategies? Do you dream of finding a way to grow your business while also giving back to your community? Well, have you thought about charitable auctions? Maybe you've tried them in the past and you feel stuck because you're tired of donating to auctions that haven't gone that well. Either the winners never bothered to redeem their gift certificates or the ones who did were so price sensitive that you wished you'd never heard from them in the first place. Or maybe you've wanted to try auction marketing, but you don't know where to start and the thought of a bunch of trial and error makes you want to lay down and take a nap. Well, we've just launched our brand new course, Rework Your Marketing with Charitable Auctions. In this course, you'll gain access to a comprehensive course that has been meticulously crafted over 18 years of our own trial and error in our portrait studio in the trenches of charitable auctions. In this course, we dive deep into the world of charitable auction marketing and uncovering the secrets to our success with this. From setting clear goals to identifying the best charities for your business, we'll show you how to navigate this powerful marketing strategy with confidence. But that's not all. You're also going to receive a treasure trove of exclusive resources, including customizable templates, vendor recommendations, and tracking spreadsheets. Picture this. You donate a portrait session to a local charity auction. Not only does your donation attract the attention of your ideal clients, but it also helps support a cause that you're passionate about. And with the tools and insights provided by this course, you'll be able to turn those auction winners into lifelong clients. So whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, now is the time to rework your marketing strategy with charitable auctions. Visit our website today, dotherework.com forward slash auctions, and take the first step toward transforming your business and making a difference in your community. Welcome to The Rework with Allison Tyler-Jones, a podcast dedicated to inspiring portrait photographers to uniquely brand, profitably price, and confidently sell their best work. Allison has been doing just that for the last 15 years, and she's proven that it's possible to create unforgettable art and run a portrait business that supports your family and your dreams. All it takes is a little rework. Episodes will include interviews with experts from in and outside of the photo industry, mini workshops, and behind-the-scenes secrets that Allison uses in her portrait studio every single day. She will challenge your thinking and inspire your confidence to create a profitable, sustainable portrait business you love through continually refining and reworking your business. Let's do the rework. Welcome back to The Rework. Today, I'm bringing you my BFF, Tracy Beakley. She is the CEO of Sunland Home Healthcare. What does that have to do with portrait photography? Well, Tracy's my friend, my confidant, my workout buddy. And we spend most mornings after the gym sitting in the bubble of her car trying to solve the world's problems. And so many of those conversations have been transformative for me and for her. And so I wanted you to be in on one of those conversations We're titling this episode, What Do You Want to Be When You Grow Up? Because we know that what we thought we wanted to do when we were younger doesn't always pan out. Sometimes it turns into something better. And all of that is part of the journey that we're involved in. So I hope you'll find this interesting, inspiring, and that it will give you a little lift for your day. 
Let's do it. Well, welcome, Tracy Beakley, to the Rework Podcast. I'm so glad that you're here today. Thank you, Allison. I'm excited to be here. I didn't ever know that I would have my BFF on my podcast, but I figured that I would take our conversations from inside the bubble, also known as your car, post-gym. And I figured I just wanted to have the conversation, one of these bubble conversations I wanted to have today for our listeners as inspiration, because we're, I think the world has changed in a big, huge ways for everybody over the last couple of years. And I think we're asking questions differently. And so one of the questions that I would love to explore with you in this episode is the idea of us when we're young, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up and you're, you have a business and you're looking at the answer to that question in different ways. So tell me about Tracy Beakley a little bit. So I'm from a family of entrepreneurs. So for me growing up, it was natural just to think that someday I would own my own business. Not that I knew how to do that or what that looked like, but if that's what your family does, you kind of just think that that's what you'll do too. So I've owned a couple of businesses. The first one I did uh, window treatments and did that for five years and sold it. Mm-hmm. And then my current business is in-home care for seniors and home-based medical care for seniors. And I've been doing that for about six years. That's not what I thought I would be doing when I grew up. <laughs> being in the senior healthcare space. But what I absolutely love about business is the opportunity to problem solve. You and I talk about this all the time. Are the people that on our team, are they in the right seat on the bus? Mm-hmm. Now, if we have X amount of money to invest in our business, where should we spend it? Are right. we simplifying our schedules and are we spending our most important time on the things that we should be doing? You know, constantly looking at my calendar for the week, like, what does my week look like? Are the appointments I have my calendar, the things that only I can be doing? And sometimes, yes. And sometimes I'm like, boy, did I just fail this week? (laughs) Right. I know. And and before anybody listens to this gets the idea that like at 530 in the morning that we pop in and are like, am I living my best life? What this conversation (laughs) that she's saying right now usually sounds like is like, good morning. Hi why didn't you text me that you were tired? We could have just skipped this whole thing to begin with, or I hate my life. Why am I doing what I'm doing? You know, so it never sounds quite this packaged and great. My back hurts. Right. (laughs) I didn't sleep last night. Or the t-shirt that you gave me that says everything hurts and I'm dying. (laughs) My favorite or the, or my other one, my favorite plans are canceled plans. Yes. So just keeping it real, but my favorite word is canceled. Yes. Exactly. Well, I think both of us are doing what we wanted to be when we grew up in that you thought you would always own your own business, Definitely. but you just didn't know exactly what I thought that I would own my own bookstore, Mm. but that was before like Barnes and Noble and Amazon. But I always knew that I wanted my own business. Why did you want your own business? Well, I, for me, honestly, it's, this is going to sound so stupid, but it is absolutely true. I remember my mom had a yard sale and I had to have been like maybe four or five. And she was putting out, you know, like her old stuff to sell right on the front lawn. And I went into my toy box and I was like, look at all this stuff. 
Mm-hmm. I could sell all of this. And I started just taking my toys out and putting it and she comes out and she's like, no, 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 no. You just got that for Christmas. We're not selling that. But I was like, hold on a minute. You mean you put something out on this table and somebody gives you money for it? Like I am down for that. Like it was at a, at a cellular level. I was down for that. So that's heard that story. I know that's probably not really a good inner. Like I wanted to help humankind. It's like, no, I wanted to sell my toys in exchange for money. That's <laughs> And then in fifth grade, I made, everybody wanted to be a cheerleader. And so I made pom-poms out of crepe paper and sold pom-poms. I had a thriving pom-pom business in fifth grade. You were born a genius. I I don't know. (laughs) I was born a merchant, I think is what that was. But anyway, but yes, so you're from a long line of entrepreneurs. And then also our conversations definitely are how we are using our time because we're both mothers. You're younger. Three children. Yeah. And of course I've been married for over 20 years and try to, I think sometimes we talk a lot about like balance, Mm -hmm. that there is no such thing as balance. And I've thought a lot about, you know, the seasons of our life and sometimes the seasons of what season of my life am I in? Sometimes the kids need more attention and I'm all in with the kids. And sometimes the business needs more attention and I have to be all in, but it's rarely that, you know, you just wake up and go, oh, like everything is rainbows and butterflies today. It's usually, you know, like you were saying, <laughs> this is really hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. And it's also sometimes really rewarding. Like, you know, you have days where you're like, I love what I do. I love this. Like it has a lot of meaning as well. And so you got your oldest is the famous Caitlin of Rework, the Caitlin Rework and Allison Tyler Jones Photography new client coordinator. So this is the mother of Caitlin, which (laughs) those of you who know and love Caitlin will know now will know where all the genius came from. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) I love it. Okay. So you've had experiences in the last few years that have changed your trajectory. Sure. So I was born from a long line of very strong, independent women who don't need help, don't ask for help. And we've had multiple conversations about this. And that's how I grew up. It's like, I can handle it myself. I'll do it myself. And I'm not asking for help. And where I don't have feelings, feelings don't matter. Feelings are for weak people. And a few years ago was diagnosed with cancer with breast cancer stage two. I was 37 and it has completely changed my outlook on life. And my therapist once told me, Tracy, you're operating in an entirely new landscape. And I think about that a lot, you know, I'm still me at the core. It's against every fiber of my being to ask for help, Yep. (laughs) but I've seen this new landscape where actually there's really beautiful things that can come from showing that vulnerability, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Showing that you're not superwoman and I'm not superwoman, but I tried to pretend I was. You kind (laughs) of are. Well, I mean, you're an oldest child and a redhead. I know. So, I mean, that's kind of like superwoman squared, but yes. Yeah. And I think we all, even if you're not type A, but you're, you're an entrepreneur, you're an achiever, you're moving forward in your life, you're doing things. And until something happens, your landscape is, I don't need help. For sure. You know, right. Your landscape is women, right. And we're, yeah, yeah. we can do everything. We're a resource for everybody else. Yeah. It's give, give, give. And don't say no, yeah. right? Yep. So I love that book, The Year of Yes. Yeah, Shonda Rhimes. Yes, yeah. And so, you know, it's saying no to the things that 
you don't need to, so that you say yes to yourself and the things that, you know, are better for you. I love that book. Yeah. It was so good. Cause you think it's going to be one thing and it really is, turns out to be something else. Yeah. And you know what? We really do need to set our boundaries and say no to a lot of things, you know, and we talk about that a lot in our bubble. If I don't say yes to this opportunity, what am I going to miss out on, you know, X, Y, and Z. And so we're, well, if I say yes to that, that's going to take two to three weeks out of my life to prepare for that speech and that presentation and the travel and And that takes three weeks out of my life for my work, my team, my family. That's a really, really hard decision. It's really hard. It's so helpful to have, you know, a friend, mentor, coach, whoever, to be able to be able to step back and have that 30,000 foot view or see you from a different perspective that can help you make some of those choices. I really feel like we need somebody that we can bounce these ideas off of. Well, and you are, as you said before, you're the reason I think we're friends is because we we align on so many things. We both love to learn. We both love to read. We both are continually trying to get to the to the next level, almost to the point of like where we drive ourselves insane. Mm-hmm. But, the problems of the world. <laughs> yes, exactly. But on your continuous <laughs> learner journey, what are some of the things that have really been helpful for you that have been like maybe game changers in your business or not even in your business, but also even in your personal life, as you've kind of gone through that journey of realizing like what I wanted to be when I grew up? Yeah. I think there've been a couple of things that have been foundational. For one thing, going through this cancer experience, I've never been into therapy until after this. And I have learned so much about myself from being in therapy the last couple of years. And one of those is that it really is okay to fail and failure is not something bad. And it's really hard for me to accept that, but like failure is just pivoting and learning and going a different direction. So in my business with my team, which is still so hard and goes against my core, but I try to regularly once or twice a week, Hey, you guys, I tried this and it didn't work out. And I fell flat on my face because I want to be able to normalize trying something and it not working out. And what did you learn from it? And let's go try something else. Cause isn't that what life is? Like, yeah. I love that. That's also great for parenting too. Yes. Cause yeah. like, and how much I do mean, we ask, expect of our kids? Ask Caitlin. I mean, I have a volume of embarrassing stories and it's just funny to like laugh about it. It makes you human as a leader. It makes you more relatable and things that I've read. I of course love Brene Brown's work listen Mm -hmm. to her podcast all the time. And it's so important to normalize failure in your work, in your life, you know, and be able to learn from it and move on. You obviously don't want to stay in that cycle of not changing and keep failing. Right. What's the quote? Like when you make the same decisions over and over again. (laughs) Yeah. The definitely, I think it's attributed to Einstein. It's like uh, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results or something. Totally. Yeah. 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 So I do try to do that around, around the office and normalize that. So I love Brene Brown's work, especially on leadership and, and vulnerability in the office and things like that. Some of the other things I love Darren Hardy and, you know, I've talked about him a lot, Darren Hardy. He has a business masterclass. He has a hero's journey. He's super inspiring and practical. I've learned a lot from Darren and attending his conferences and things like that. Doesn't he have Um, a book? Yes, he has a book. 
it is the compound effect. Got it. Okay. Compound. We'll link to that. Is, yeah. Compound effect is fantastic. So Darren Hardy has great stuff on leadership and my team has been through some of his courses and things like that. But I try to give people opportunities as a leader, like how can I help my team fulfill their own personal goals? Mm-hmm. So my, my HR director, she wants to certify in a higher level of HR. Okay. And that is her goal. And I said, great, let's do it. How can I support you? And we, she took a class two days a week for a couple months and passed her test. And to me as a leader, like that is so satisfying when I can see other people achieve and yeah. fulfill the goals in their own life. That's awesome. Yeah. Facilitating others growth. And that's, yeah. I mean, that's what you're doing as a mother. Women are uniquely suited for that to help facilitate others growth. And then sometimes we forget ourselves. Yeah. And if you ask Caitlin, she probably says I'm stumping her growth, right? <laughs> well, she is 20. And you have told me that too. Tracy, yeah. you're stumping her growth. Get out of her way. <laughs> well, uh, first of all, th- let me just qualify that statement. <laughs> was made to you when you were driving back from California and Caitlin was, I believe, 11 or 12 years old. And she was trying to organize, I think, either your entire Christmas or some birthday party or something. And you were texting me that this kid is driving me crazy. She's trying to take over my life. I'm like, why don't you just get out of her way and let her take over your life? Because she's actually super organized. She could have actually run your household at 11 or 12. Absolutely. Yeah, of course. Now she's running my life. It's awesome. (laughs) I'm just working for Caitlin. That's what we're doing. Yeah. So yeah, we are just helping and facilitating other people. and, And I find so much joy and satisfaction and it's one of my whys when I can see other people achieve and, and live their why. We talk a lot about what is your why, Simon Sinek. Um, yeah. Everybody has to watch that TED Talk upon onboarding because we talk a lot, you know, what's your why? Yeah, the Simon Sinek's TED Talk. Yeah. And I think all of us post-COVID and especially post-my cancer survivalship, when you face your own mortality, you're like, what am I doing here? What am I, am I living my mission? And I think not, I think, I mean, with the great migration, so many people are reconsidering how they're living their life and spending their time. And I just was afforded that a couple of years before the pandemic. Yeah. And I think about it every day. What am I doing? Am I at the core? Who am I? And what, what are my superpowers and how am I using that to get back to the greater whole? You know, I think we all could say that we would like more really great qualified leads, but what happens when we get contacted by a potential new client? We sometimes have that pit in our stomach of, oh, it's not a good time right now. I don't want to call them. What if they ask me hard questions? Oh, I don't really know that I have the words to say. And we put it off until we call and they've already booked somebody else. Or maybe we don't ever call or we're just letting things fall through the cracks. So if you ever find yourself in this type of situation and you feel like, I just don't know the words to say, or I don't know how to talk to these people, or am I doing it wrong? I have a solution for all three of those things. If you go to dotherework.com, we have three different free resources for you. One is our ultimate client consultation guide that is going to help you step-by-step walk that prospective client through your process, how it is that you work. It has all the little speed bumps, so to speak, along the way to help you remember to say all the things that you need to say. 
Next is our cheat sheet of frequently asked difficult questions that has an exhaustive list of all the hard questions that clients come up with that will help you get started on answering those confidently so that you don't have that feeling in the pit of your stomach anymore. And you're going to pick up that phone immediately. And lastly is our sales sabotage evaluation tool. And that is going to help you to figure out where you are screwing it up because we all do at one time or another. So go to do the rework.com. And wherever you're at in your business, if you're needing to rework your message, if you're needing to rework your answers, if you're needing to rework your sales process, they are all right there on that very first page. They are free. They are resources to help you in your business. Go do it. Download them now and start doing better. Start booking those clients confidently and start selling them your gorgeous, beautiful work because they need it. And so how are you thinking about that? Like, what does that look like as you're thinking about that? Because right now you're in, you own a home health care business. You had a previous business. So do you feel like that this is where you'll end up for the rest of your life? Or do you see yourself doing something different? One of the thoughts um, I mentioned, I had a window treatments business and I absolutely love business. But as I thought about that, I didn't find a lot of joy helping people pick out their window coverings. Mm-hmm. That did not get you out of bed in the morning. To yeah. Me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I loved, I loved the meeting people and I loved helping them in that relationship, but like picking out window coverings, I was like, this is such a waste of my time. Yeah. Interesting. Fast forward to in-home care for seniors. I feel a lot more gratification because we are helping people age in place with dignity, helping them maintain their independence as long as possible. And I find so much more joy, gratification, fulfillment in doing something for people that they're not able to do for themselves. Mm -hmm. I love that. And just even as you talk about it, I can hear that in your voice. And I think the window covering business I think business is a game, you know, it really is. It's a fun, it's a really fun game, you know? And so it can be risky, you know, and then like you could look at money as the score. Like that's kind of how you keep the score. Like, is it profitable? Is it not profitable? And you can kind of game all of that, which is kind of fun. And really, if you love business, you could say it doesn't really matter what it is that you're doing. You just like to be in business. You bought it, you started the business, you built it up and then you sold it. But now it sounds like what you're doing now is more of closer to your heart. Yeah, definitely. And I love the leadership aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And I also do love, I love that in Arizona, there's not a lot of regulation in, in home care for seniors. And so I love knowing that I have established a very ethical business and People can come to us and they can trust us and know that their mom or dad, who's a senior is taken care of. And I feel a great sense of responsibility, but I also feel a great sense of pride in that people can trust us. You know, there's this trust factor. People have come to us in a very chaotic time of their life. Oh yeah. Scary. Have fallen. They're in the hospital. I don't know what to do, or they've been diagnosed with dementia help. I don't know how to do this. And we don't have marketers. We have trusted advisors who are there to guide them through this aging process and help them make these decisions. And I know with your business, you have people that help 
guide them through their decision-making process in the fine art print that they're selecting and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's similar. I think, and there's a lot of meaning, you know, you're meeting people at a really vulnerable time in their life when there's so many unknowns. They don't know their parent is dying. They don't know if they're failing at how long is it going to be that they're going to have to, I mean, there's just so many questions and guilt and all kinds of things probably that they're not able to be there for them or whatever. And so to be able to take something that is seen as almost like a necessary evil in a way, like we have to get help for mom or dad and turn that into something that's really meaningful. And I've watched you do that, the way that you guys deliver that service and the way that you care for those people. I think it's really special how you do it. I think it's really amazing. And it's an example to me, you know, in our business, you would think, well, it's always special to get your picture taken, but usually dads aren't that into it. Yeah. Well, the thing with getting your picture taken is I think of, well, uh, so I'm not a very good subject matter on this one because you've taken our pictures since Caitlin was like three, when you were still taking pictures outside at the park. Right. <laughs> Back the in the olden time. days. Yeah. Was the first Caitlin's time. 20. Uh-huh. <laughs> what year was that? 2006 or Five, well, five is when I started the business. Yeah. So 2005, six. Yeah. So, I mean, every time I see that picture of us at the park, I'm like, oh my gosh, we have come such a long way yeah. from a park to you took my brother's engagement party, which I mean, you don't even do that anymore. Right. So it just, it's funny because I, oh, then we had pictures in your basement yeah, at your house. Yeah. And so I'm probably one of the few people that have yeah. that you're an OG. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, how fun is that to see you grow from getting into the photography business to where you are now with your niche? And I love your online masterclass and your podcast. And we've talked about podcasts for, I don't know, six years, seven yep. years. We were talking about it in the bubble, like, oh, I should do a podcast someday. And I'm like, you have to do it. I know. And here we are. You're being here interviewed are. on the podcast. It's yeah. so fun. Take a minute to call it a win. And I, I remember when I had my scrapbooking store, so I was probably oh, in my mid thirties when I, well, I was like 29 when I started that business. So, and then when it really got rocking and rolling, I was like in my mid thirties and it would have so many young moms come in and they would I have little, them. I went yes, yeah. young moms come in with their babies and strollers and they would say, Oh, I would just love to start a business. I bet you just have so much fun. You know, I bet you just love to just scrapbook and work. And I'm like, okay, well, the day that I put a knife in my scrapbooking for myself was the day that I started as a business, but they would say, I just really want to start my own business. And I realized at that time, like I was enough older than these younger moms to realize that you can have everything you want. You just can't generally have it all at the same time. And when you're a younger mom, you tend to think, you know, especially if you've got little kids, you think this is never going to be over. This is so hard, but you love it. It's also great yeah. too. The days are long. The years are short, right? Exactly. Yeah. And some, but sometimes not short enough because wow, <laughs> I had a few years in there that were like really long. Now that I'm in my fifties, I look back and I think, wow, I've had so many different iterations of myself. I always say, I, I wish I had the 20 year old hardware with the 57 year old software. Like what I, I wish I knew what I knew now, but with like the, the younger body would be so yeah. awesome. You know, but looking well, back, even take the pre-COVID body, right? <laughs> oh, I know it's so bad. Let's not talk about it. Let's not talk about the W word. <laughs> and I totally see that. And 
One thing I've thought a lot about lately, and you have been foundational in my growth in this area, is being an imposter. And as women, and even men too, so I've been taking this speaking class called Heroic Public Speaking with Michael and Amy Port. And imposter syndrome is something we've discussed on there many, many times. And I personally, as I've thought about it, have felt like an imposter. I'm not an expert. I can't go out there. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go on stage. I can't write a book. All these other people are the experts. And I have just kind of come to, and Allison, you've told me, well, Tracy, you, you have this skill or this, or this is where you're great at, or, but I have learning in the last little bit to step into my own role and to stop thinking of myself as an imposter mm-hmm. and thinking that I'm not capable to write a book. I'm not capable to run a business. I'm not capable to meet the CEO of some huge company. And so I'm really focusing on learning to step into my role, to claim my power and to know that I am the expert in my space. Mm -hmm. And to use that for the benefit of my company, for my family, for the community, and just stop pretending that I don't know what I'm doing, you know, that power. And I'm the first to say, I don't know what I'm doing, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I think that it's what I realize about that is that imposter syndrome, I think is such a, it's, you've heard it talked about a million times. It's used a lot when applied, particularly to women. But I think it's just a human tendency to think that everybody else knows better than we do, unless you're like a sociopath and then you think you know everything or a 14 year old, depends, yeah. <laughs> right? But really most human beings don't think they know everything. They think, oh, I, I don't have an MBA in geriatric care. Yeah. You know, how dare you to my name? Yeah. How dare you start a home health care company? I don't have an MFA in photography. How dare you start a portrait business? I don't have a MBA. How dare you start a business? You know, there's yeah. all of these things that we think. I remember telling Julia Woods when I was like, like maybe one or two years into this business and things were going really well in the business. And I just said to her, I keep feeling like the other shoe is going to drop. Like at some point, somebody's going to be like, you don't know what you're doing. And we're going to take all of our pennies and go home. Yeah. Yeah. But at some point you realize that staying in that self-doubt and that navel gazing is actually self-indulgent. And that the negative forces in the world, you could look at whatever your religious preference is, negative forces. I think we can all agree that there are positive forces and negative forces. The negative forces would have us play small. They would have us dumb ourselves down because that's not going to create the greater good. The greatest good that could possibly be created is for us to emerge in our fullest, best, highest, and best version of ourselves. And bring all of that power to good and and light the way for others to bring their power into being. And by power, I mean force for good, right? So whether that's a mother or a business owner or anything. Yeah. And for me, I'm achiever. So I constantly am spinning myself into a, I have to achieve, I have to achieve. And it's like, well, when I achieve this, then I'll be the expert. Mm. When I achieve this, I'll be the expert. Mm -hmm. And every time I achieve something, I still don't feel like the expert Mm -hmm. and it's exhausting. It's Mm -hmm. exhausting. So right now my latest thing is, oh, I've got to get an MBA. I need a book attached to my name and I need an MBA. And when I have those two things, then I will be what good with myself. Yeah. And I know, like, I know as soon as I get 
my MBA, if that's what I end up doing, it will be on the next thing. You know, that will never be good enough. And so why are we never good enough? Why can we just not, uh, we have this conversation all the time. Why can't we just be happy with who we are and the things in our life? But it's that constant, when I get there, then I'll be happy. When I have $8 million, then I'll be happy. (laughs) $8 million and a fast metabolism. That's all we need. Yeah. Well, and, and it's like, you think of yourself, your teenage self, well, when I'm 16 and I'm driving or when I can go to prom or when I have that boyfriend or whatever, you know, I think again, going back to that human nature thing, there's a genius about that, right? There's, is that we were born, we were created as creators. We were created to expand and help and bless the world. Mm -hmm. And so we have this inner need to be better than we were before. And I don't think that, I definitely don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's a great thing. But again, that force for bad, the force for the negative is going to be, you're never going to be good enough. Mm -hmm. But that's not anything that anybody else can tell us. It's something that we have to figure out for ourselves. And, you know, whether that's through therapy, reading, attending things, but I think it's part of your person homework. It's part of your human homework is to figure out how can I be the best, you know, like where you're saying, am I living my mission? And I think your mission changes. I don't think it's one thing. At least I feel like I've had many missions throughout my life. Yeah. And, well, and I, you, cause you're a different person now than you were 30 years right. ago. But don't you think that we, the kind of in the ether is like, oh, you need to figure out, you know, like even when you're saying your why, like when you, well, my why today might be different than my why tomorrow. There's some things that stay true, but also I like the ability. I never want to be put in a box. I hate boxes. I'm not a fan of rules. You and I are very different in this way. You You love boxes and you love rules. I like to be, I don't like any restriction, but anyway, I don't, I don't know where I was going with that, but you get the idea. It's like to give yourself the freedom that just because you said you wanted to do like home health care might be your thing right now, but you might be expanding into something completely different in the next five years. Who knows? Who knows where you're going to end up? Yeah. And that's what I love about this journey of life. I used to absolutely hate the word journey because I want <laughs> me to tell me A, B, C, and D, and I will go get that done. I want the right. checklist and a yes. journey. If you guys have ever seen that, it's kind of a meme of like an entrepreneur. And it's just like all these scribbles in this yeah. huge messy thing. It's not linear. And I used to just hate the word journey, but I actually really love it because it's so fluid and it gives you the opportunity to learn and explore and get to know yourself better and give yourself permission to change, mm-hmm. right? To become. Become something. Yeah. Oh, and that's a great, the concept of becoming, I think we've talked about that too. I love the idea of when you love checklists and when you do love lists, you think, okay, well, I'm going to go learn this and I'm going to be an MBA or I'm going to be a photographer. I'm going to be a business owner or whatever, but becoming, that's kind of a different way of looking at the world. Like we don't obey these rules or we don't follow these guidelines just because they are rules or guidelines. It's because we want to become what that is going to create for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I used to hate the word become. Mm-hmm. Like I said, give me one, two, three, four, five, and I'll go get it done. And then give me the next. <laughs> Anything that involves a process of any kind. Yes. Like yes. we're like destinations, <laughs> check it off the list. I don't need to have process. Mm-hmm. I want product. Yeah. Yes. 
Yeah. It was like when I was going through cancer, tell me exactly how many rounds of chemo and infusions I need to have. And then I will be done. And it doesn't work like that. And I had to learn the really hard way. (laughs) But to me now, I feel like my eyes are open and I'm seeing life in a very different way. And I love the freedom and the ability that I have been looking at, like reconnecting with myself and who I am and who I want to be and what I want to give back to this world. And it, like you said, it's, it changes, it changes because of your trauma or because of things that have happened to you or experiences that you've had. A lot of times people, those things are the catalyst for people to start a nonprofit or Mm -hmm. get involved with volunteer work. It takes that incident, that trauma, unfortunately, or something that you've overcome and the healing journey is you giving back to that space. Oh, for sure. And one of my favorite quotes is Ernest Hemingway. And I hope I'm not going to butcher this, but he said, the world breaks us and afterwards, many are strong at the broken places. And I love that because I think when we're young, we think we have this idea of this journey of life that is going to, we have expectations of how we think our life is going to go. And I don't think very many people get to even 25 before that's been smashed in some way, whether a breakup or, you know, some kind of disappointment or whatever. And then the older you get, the more people that you have in your life, even like your children, things happen that just take you down. And I think this life is uniquely suited to break us in our most vulnerable places. The people that we think we have it all under control and then it's just the rug gets pulled out from under us. But part of those experiences combined with who we came as to this world combined to make our unique talent and our unique gift to the world. Mm -hmm. And that's where I see a lot of creatives, you know, with my students and listeners to the podcast is that sometimes we doubt ourselves. We think, well, who am I to do X, Y, Z kind of even what you're saying, you know, who am I to write this book? Who am I to give the speech? Who am I to fill in the blank? but why not you? And the other thing that goes along with the who am I is it's been done before, you know? So I'm sure you're having those thoughts like, oh, the cancer memoir has been written or the, how many photographers are out there? How many home health care companies are there? Yeah. You know, but it hasn't been done by you mm-hmm. with your unique journey experience. And you're going to be able to touch people in a way that nobody else could. It's the same with our business too. Yeah. And that's been super interesting. There was a quote by Richard Branson that I saw five or six years ago, and it's something to the effect of, if you put your employees first, then your customers will be happier. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of versions of that quote. And I printed it out and I put it on my wall and probably five or six years ago. And I thought, you know, it's my goal to help our employees be happy. Like I absolutely believed that in my core, like it resonated very strongly with me. And so our goal and mission here was to put our team first and to help try to solve their problems, whether it was transportation or daycare or other things. And so we've created this culture of putting your team first. And to us, it's very natural. It's who we are. It's been very intentional. There's a process. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's somebody in charge of it and it gets done. But it's been super fascinating post-COVID for all of these thought leaders, not only in our home care industry space, but all around 
it's like, oh my gosh, we got to put the employees first now. Yeah. And it's like, like, hello. there's podcast after podcast about putting your team first and webinars and this and that, and all the thought leaders. And I'm like, Hmm, this is not new for us. We've been doing this for six years already. Yeah. And, uh, it's been super interesting to kind of watch that unfold. I love that. And I've watched you create that culture step-by-step from nothing. And I think it's really amazing. I think it's, I think that's why we have the teams that we do. And I think that's something that women can uniquely really bring to business as well, is that taking all those benefits that sometimes have been seen as negatives, you know, like too nurturing or too emotional or whatever, but like bringing that into building a team and building the needs of your employees as core. It's really rewarding. Well, you're good at it. So what's next for Tracy Beagley? That is a good question. <laughs> like you I know, said, you're I, working on a book. I maybe, 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 I don't know. So I'm having major imposter syndrome thoughts in my head. So I need to quiet my inner critic. That's what the courts call it. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to quiet my inner critic, maybe make a speech because they say, if you start with the speech, you go out and try that out on different audiences and you get the feedback on what people like, it will help you write a better book. Hmm. So possibly that, I don't know. I've kind of been looking into an MBA because then I will have arrived. (laughs) Right. Of course. You'll arrive broken and beaten and so tired. I'm kind of like obsessed with those three little letters behind my name. So I don't know. There's that, but there's a lot of different. I've been looking at different coaches, bringing them in. I feel like my team could use a pick me up and they're sick and tired of listening to me. And frankly, I'm kind of tired of listening to myself at this point. (laughs) And so it's really great. And they love it when you bring other people in for some leadership training or customer service training or things like that. So that's our next discussion when we go work out is need to pick your brain on some people like that. Um, Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So no, lots of good things, but again, it's what do I want? Like, what am I going to get out of this? Is it just going to cost me stress and be the hamster on acid, you know, spinning my, spinning my wheels, or is it actually going to bring me fulfillment and purpose and meaning and new relationships? And so those are a lot of thinking about, yeah, Yeah. where it's going to take me. Yeah. I love that. Well, I appreciate you being here. I love this conversation and it will be ongoing to be continued in the bubble. Lots to discuss at our next workout. Yes. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Bye. Have I told you lately how much I appreciate you being here? I know that you have so many demands on your time and so many demands on your attention. You could be watching Netflix. You could be listening to a true crime podcast, but you've spent time here at the rework learning to make your portrait business better. And that really means a lot to me. If there's somebody that you feel like could benefit from this episode, that you could help them and help us spread the word in helping other portrait photographers build better businesses, please go to where you're listening to this episode and hit that share button and share it with them. And if you have time and can give us a review, you don't even understand how much that means to a little tiny podcast like ours to see those reviews and see how we're helping And if you have another minute and can send me a DM and let us know what you would like to hear in the future, what you really enjoyed hearing about, maybe things that weren't that great, 
how we can do better. We always want to do better and we always want to support the portrait photography industry and helping you build the best businesses ever. Thanks again so much for being here. You can find more great resources from Allison at dotherework.com and on Instagram at do.the.rework. 